0: Looks like we're live. Hey, John, how you doing?
1: Hi, guys.
0: Hi, Nathan. Hi, Rebecca.
2: Hey, how are you doing?
0: Happy Friday.
2: Yes. And yeah.
0: Memorial Day weekend. Happy Absolutely. Memorial Day weekend.
2: That's right. That's right. It's, it's a weekend we can honor those among us who have served. So that's a that's a great distinction. So okay. So Freedom Watch May edition. I'm Rebecca Kosis from of California. John McGowan from Chia of California, and Nathan Pierce from Family Protection Ministries, who is Chia's legislative liaison. And as um, the, as the uh, dates have come and gone on the calendar, Nathan, things have quieted down for you up there in Sacramento.
0: Yep, we've had a little bit um, of things quiet down a little bit. We've had a lot of bills on the floor this week, um, and some are moving and some of them they're still trying to catch up on the paperwork for everything that they passed yesterday. But yeah, we have a couple of things and I have some sort of positive-ish news on some stuff and some not so positive news on stuff. So that- I'll jump in with uh AB 659 the HPV vaccine bill. Let's start with that. Okay,
2: is that positive-ish?
0: Yes. Positive? Yes. I word? would say I would say <laughs> it's positive-ish because while I still don't like this bill, and I think it's a bad direction for our state, they did accept some amendment language this last week that excludes homes, home-based uh, students, private homes, home-based students from the HPV requirement, just like, and they copied and pasted the language, uh, just like all of the other required vaccines for school. Okay. So so the positive ish part is that they're excluding the requirement from all the home-based private school students and so that means homeschoolers if you're homeschooling privately you don't fall under this new requirement. Mm-hmm. The but it's it's only ish because because this bill is still bad and it's still moving forward yeah. and I think that's not a good thing so um still still not happy about this bill moving forward but I'm glad that they at least excluded the homeschoolers from from the requirement, so that's that's good news.
2: Okay. Yes. Yes, it is, and so and it's and it's still something that parents can call.
0: <laughs> yes. And
2: write letters on.
0: Yes. This bill, so six fifty nine, is uh, making its way out of the House of Origin and into the Second House. So it's an Assembly bill. So it started in the Assembly. It's headed over to the Senate. So it's the time to transition from calling your state assembly member to calling your state Senator. Okay. And um, so look up who your state Senator is, if you don't know who that is and uh, give their office a call starting probably Tuesday and um, yeah, mm-hmm. make your voice heard on this one. Uh, okay. Cause it's not, it's not, not good to keep moving forward. Um, yeah. So the, the next bill um, that, uh, I can talk about briefly is AB 1057. And that's a bill that we've mentioned on here before. I think AB 1057 deals with providing a, a service to new parents, um, parents that are just bringing a new infant home from the hospital, um, new baby at the house. So the government sees their opportunity to, to voluntarily show up to, to help parents that need coaching and parenting. And so they're offering a new service through this bill where they would provide social workers, if you want to have somebody come and help you learn how to parent, um, take care of a new baby, Um, they'll send a social worker to your house to do a home visit to help you learn how to to be a parent. Hmm. And I think since even though that this bill is currently written to be voluntary, I think it sets the stage for some program like this, which they have proposed mandatory programs like this before. I remember. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's a scary thing, um, that they would send a government agent mandatory to your house. If you're, if you've got a new baby, um, that's not the role of government. Uh, it really isn't. Uh, we have, we have families, we have communities, we have people that we, uh, that we have respect for in the parenting world that we would go to for help if we need that but not the government
2: Mm -hmm. right Um, this is also um church communities friends and neighbors i mean this is new baby is a joyous time we all get out our casserole recipes and you know go go see the new baby and mom or you know grandma comes over and stays for a week or so and not not the government right just it seems very foreign to me Yeah.
0: yeah yeah so i think um i think it's a dangerous direction and it's going to have it's going to have an immediate impact on some things because this service being available will make other people like churches feel like oh this is they're doing this so so we're irrelevant now or something i mean it's it's gonna be. It's gonna have some immediate impact, um, even though it's not required. But it also, like I said, sets the stage for a requirement to come to follow later. So, right. it's kind of a two-pronged, dangerous uh, bill, I think.
2: So where is it now? What's so
0: it matter? is. It is in the process also of transitioning from mm-hmm. the assembly over to the senate. So it's it's something that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. um that's that's now something that you would call your state senator about as well
2: okay okay that that is scary that it's come so far
0: yes yes and um then uh finally you asked me to mention the uh, we meant we have talked about previously ACA 9 which is that bill that requires the governor takes the authority of appointing the state superintendent of public instruction from the people and puts it in the hands of the governor. So right now, the person that's in charge of all the schools in California, all the government, the public schools and sort of oversees um, the private school department of the California Department of Education, he's the head of the California Department of Education. Mm -hmm. That's the state superintendent of public instruction. Currently, that person is elected by the people of California. There's 40 million people in California. That's a lot of people uh, to have all of these different schools and school districts under the supervision of one person. And that person is currently elected. But this bill would actually take it and put it under the authority of the governor. And the governor would just appoint that person.
2: Sure.
0: And um, so we didn't like that. We thought it takes um, gives the governor governor too much power. Right. And um, so at this point in time, this bill has been uh, sort of pulled and put on the back burner. Oh. And um, So that's a good thing.
2: That is good also. news. So that's I'm more, more than positive ish.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. So I'm glad to see that be uh, put on hold <laughs> and uh, maybe it'll never come up again. I don't know but mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad that it's not moving forward. So yeah. it's definitely not moving forward right now. So yeah, Thank good you. news there. Yeah,
2: yeah. And the kindergarten bill. Is that any any change on that? Any new The news?
0: kindergarten bill is on hold. Also, it got stuck sort of in a um, in a uh, in a fiscal committee. So the Assembly Appropriations Committee, it's it's sitting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, the Senate Appropriations Committee and um so that bill is on hold right now, too. They could come out uh next year, but it's uh, it's not dead uh it's just on hold waiting for um uh funding mm-hmm. so um we can continue to make calls on that, still stuck in the Senate, so
2: okay, all right yeah and and funding is the big issue for Sacramento, as far as that goes. For us, obviously we're we prefer parents to decide when their children go to school and keep them home one more year. Right um but it's no surprise that fiscally it's a problem
0: right it this bill uh we you know we've you remember we've we've dealt with this bill a bunch of times mm-hmm. over the years and it's gotten stuck in this committee before yeah so a yeah. bunch of times
2: yeah okay all right well, thank you for your update on all of those items. i appreciate it
0: yeah absolutely
2: <laughs> and I appreciate all your hard work too on this
0: thanks thank- yeah
2: so um so a lot of these have to do with parental rights. You know, the HPV were concerned about that uh, because it impinges up, upon parental rights. And, and likewise, you know, home visits too, if it became mandatory, that would be that would be very problematic. And John, you had wanted to talk about food versus love, Ludlow schools, because this is another issue surrounding parental rights.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Rebecca. And, you know, if you've, heard us or this isn't your first time watching us you've certainly no doubt heard us say that you know we are chia and certainly family protection are our parental rights organization you know homeschooling um, is a parental right being able to privately homeschool and make that choice for our families and our children we are exercising our rights as parents to um, decide what we think is best for our family and our children. So, you know, we are seeing a lot of situations, bills, cases, disputes overlap. And we're talking about um, those things. And, and people might wonder from time to time, you know, what does this have to do with homeschooling? And that that's what it has to do with homeschooling. We are a parental rights organization. And the food case um, south of Massachusetts and uh, the the facts there are that parents of of two kids siblings in um, uh, middle school um, instructed the school to not discuss um, gender identity um, or to they requested to be notified if their if the school was discussing those things with their children, specifically regarding their children's own issues um, and the school was, in fact, having discussions, not just discussions was helping um, these again middle school aged siblings. Yes. Uh, middle school aged siblings, you know, transition, change their names, change their records and did not tell kept that a secret from the parents. The parents eventually found out that this was going on and understandably were upset that this was happening without their knowledge. And they filed a lawsuit in federal court in uh, Massachusetts. They lost, the parents lost at the trial court level. Um, The trial court um, uh, really overlooked a lot of case law and precedents that says that parents have a fundamental constitutional right to direct the upbringing health and education of their children you know they relied on though the parents relied on those bedrock cases that really are the same cases that we rely on and that homeschool families rely on and when we have to sometimes challenge uh, threats to our freedom. We rely on the same cases. So that's why it's important to highlight. I mean, the same arguments that these parents are are making here rely on the same precedents and the same law that we stand on when we have to challenge um, incursions into our homeschooling rights. And <clears throat> the uh, the trial court again dismissed those claims um didn't go into a lot of detail and why other than saying that um, uh, this was a curriculum (laughs) issue and because there is a distinction in the law um where it it is hard to challenge public school curriculum it is harder so the court went that way and said no no this is a a curriculum issue even though these are um, adults in the school who are again, helping these particular children change their names, change their, you know, identity according to to what these children are telling them they want to do and don't tell our parents and they're listening to that has nothing to do with curriculum. And there were accusations both by the defendants and even in the court's ruling that, you know, these parents were really hiding behind a, a a veil of parental rights, but, you know, there was some, um, uh, you know, intolerance or, or bigotry going on here, you know, that, that was certainly discussed um, at the trial court level. Um, there has now been an appeal to the uh, Court of Appeal there in the First Circuit, and it's getting a lot of attention. Um, the ADF is involved. Um, a lot of groups are filing friend of the court briefs um, because I think that the recognition is that this case has the potential for getting to the Supreme Court. It's kind of on that track, and um, if it does, it could be a, a bellwether case that addresses, you know, whether you know whether or not parents do have, um, uh, you know, a right to basic things like notice when you know the school is trying to. Um, you know, step in and um, really invade the space of a parent. Um, again, this is just even as basic as as a notice, right? You know, so, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, this kind of societal shift away from, you know, what should be um, uh, the starting point is that the parents should get that deference, right? You should need a very compelling reason to overcome, you know, parents being, um, you know, again, in charge of their parents or presumed, the presumption should be that parents are in the best position to make decisions uh, for their children. Um, That's being challenged all over the place, right? And now, now kids are being... You know, instead of being told to respect their parents or, you know, schools and, and other organizations giving deference to parents, they're now helping children keep secrets from their parents. They're being told, well, keeping secrets from their parents is a good thing. Um, you know, what a, what a shift so quickly, right. you know, and it's scary. And, you know, this is an important case that, that we'll continue to monitor and, okay. and we need to pray for it. Pray for the judges, pray for the, the organizations and lawyers um, uh, that are involved, and um, really continue to pray for the culture and society that is so backwards right now, that this would even be something that that has to be challenged.
2: Well, and, and it, there was a time when schools wanted the, you know, parents' participation, and you know, and if things go wrong, it's the parents' fault, yes. technically, right they have the responsibility and and they're you know they you know i re- recall hearing things like, oh, we need you know we need to partner with parents for your right. student' success yeah. there's you know it went from deference to partner to antagonist or you know it's you're, it just me yeah
1: no you're you're dead on i mean that's exactly right, you know, right. and um. You know, you see it all over the place, you know, it's very much in your face now, you know, that, you know, know, different uh, government actors, you know, um, politicians, um, teachers union representatives. I mean, we're seeing these statements all over the place that suggest, you know, teachers know best. Mm and and you know we're grateful for the the good teachers that are out there. You know we're not saying there are there's no such thing as a caring, loving you know good teacher. You know we're not saying that at all. Um, and we're grateful for them. But again, it's just this notion that there is um, there should not be given any deference whatsoever to parents. The presumption should not be that parents. Are in the best position to care for their children. The presumption should be, the you know, the experts um, know best that children belong to society. The children don't even belong to their parents. There is nothing. There is nothing sacred or special or ordained. Um, uh, between a parent and their children there is nothing god given that god is absent from the equation altogether and this is a societal interest therefore why should there be any deference given to parents i really feel like that is what's happening i feel like it's a spiritual battle and it is. we are seeing it play out yeah
2: you are absolutely active right, it is a spiritual battle. I want to back up just a second, because you talked about the courts saying this was a curriculum issue. Um, And so I, I'm not sure how that <laughs> happens. I mean, in California, we know that transgender, you know, and gay ideology is sprinkled in curriculum across the board. There's no one particular course, you know, that addresses it. Right. Uh, so don't parents have the right to object to a curriculum. I I guess I'm I'm confused about that. yeah. A,
1: you sorry, yeah. Yeah, I'm interrupting you. But yeah, no, that's a very good question, and that and that, that is what happened in this case, and it is so. The courts have historically said when it comes to curriculum that you know parents absolutely have again this fundamental right to you know direct the upbringing. Health, education, care of their kids. And that includes choosing the educational forum, right, for their their children. And so that's what we rely on so heavily as homeschoolers is that, you know, this line of cases say that part of being able to, um, you know, have that fundamental right regarding your children's upbringing is you can choose to send them to public school, you can choose to send them to private school, you can choose to send them, you know, you can choose to homeschool them, you know, that's all part of that right. However, the courts also do say, when you make the choice to send them to public school, your rights to direct the curriculum get limited. A parent parent doesn't have the, the same fundamental right to go in and say, obviously it's it's not this type of curriculum but for you know I don't like this math curriculum for example that you've chosen I think there's a better math curriculum this one's confusing so uh, you know I'm you know Johnny's dad I object to you using this math curriculum principally well you can't do that you can't you know we cannot let a parent come in and, and do that and now obviously the type of curriculum regarding you know social engineering and you know these hypersexualized topics were seen like we've never seen before mm-hmm. and so parents are going in and having issues with those type of curriculums and they're having a harder time because there are these cases that say strictly speaking of curriculum once you make the choice to send your children to a public school It it is harder to object to those curriculums. Now the courts still say, hey, you know, you have every right to make your voice heard, you have every right to go to school board meetings, you have every right to talk to your legislators and participate in the political process, but to, uh, again, uh, to Just simply say, I don't like this curriculum, it's a little bit harder. And that's why this judge in this case said, no, 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 we're going to call this curriculum, even though, again, this has nothing, this is so outside of that type of an argument, right? The parents weren't saying, hey, I don't like you, this subject matter that you're teaching, Although I'm sure that that was probably also (laughs) the parents are saying, no, these are you are now doing something directly to my children that you didn't give me notice to you're not you're not standing up in in front of a class of 30 kids and reading from a book that I don't like you have now taken my children and substituted your own judgment um, in place of mine as a parent, and you're helping them keep this secret from me. So the judge was wrong. To, to make the decision in the line of cases that make it a little harder for parents to deal with a curriculum issue. Okay. And so that, so, so that was a very good question that you asked. And that is going to be in um, my estimation where the arguments come down in the court of appeal. It's was this, what type of action was this by the school? Mm-hmm. Is this? Does this look more like a teacher standing up at the front of the room reading from a book that the parents don't like? Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, again, this was a directed action, keeping secrets, changing names yeah. um, to these particular children, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's the argument that the parents and their lawyers have made. It's like, no, 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 this is not, We this is clearly falls under making health choices the parents made that argument listen this is a issue with this is a health issue there are, there could be mental health issues here we are who are um, the people as parents who are supposed to be making those decisions and and we're not against getting help and and you know, directing you know resources to where it needs to be, but let us do that. We need to be right. involved in doing that, right. and making those decisions. This is a clearly a health issue that we need to deal with with our kids, and that was dismissed. and And the the court even took issue with saying that having gender identity issues could be called a you know mental health issue. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, those arguments were made. You know, obviously, I think you know what I think that the court got it wrong. And, um, but that's where these line of cases and the arguments are going to come down. You know, is this the type of, again, directing the upbringing, dealing with health, you you know, those type of decisions that are ordinarily left up to the parents? um, When it comes, or is this a, you know, does this look like a parent arguing over curriculum? It does not look like a parent arguing. Yeah,
2: it's not correct. like teachers stood in front of the classroom with the social studies textbook. Correct. And said all those, you know, let's let's yeah. have this experiment. And- correct.
0: Let's change our names. Yeah, yeah. no, that's not yeah. what this was. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Okay. So I, I have a question on uh, impact, uh John, as far as you said um, it was in. This was originally decided in trial court. Um, as far as precedent goes, um, what it would be the what could be the impact of this case as it stands now, as it descends decided now, and then, if obviously you know if it could have tremendous impact at the Supreme Court level, what would happen? What what would be the impact now? versus maybe at the appellate if the appellate court does hear this case and either uphold or overrule it what, what yeah. Would be the impact yeah yeah yeah
1: so right so the, the the appellate court has already they are taking it on i mean it, this is okay. going to be decided at the appellate court level No, you know right now just because there was a, st- a trial court ruling um, you know there that does not demand that anybody follow that trial court's ruling. So you know this is not um you know something that you know is generally cited um in, in other lawsuits. I mean it could be something other judges could look at this but they're they're not bound by it. Okay. okay. You know this is not controlling okay mm-hmm. um as it currently sits. Now if the court of appeal over there in the First Circuit you know rules which they will one way or another, you know, it will be controlling in that circuit, okay, for the courts that sit under that circuit. It will be controlling and will be persuasive in other places as well. It can be cited at that time anywhere, okay? Now, a different circuit, once it got to the appellate level, you know, for example, the the Ninth Circuit, you know, where we are, um, you know could um could could do something different and okay. if they do then there'll be a split in the the districts and you know ultimately the supreme court will have to decide that so you know it again it does not just because the first circuit if the court of appeal rules one way or another it will not automatically mean states outside of that district have to do the same thing in their of appeal but um you know the higher up it goes the more it it does influence that's for sure Um,
0: i can see i can see now how why you were saying that it's kind of on the track to head toward the supreme court and has a reasonable likelihood because it it seems like it does sort of create it it's it seems like to me that this has got to be some contra major controversial ruling it just seems so bizarre no
1: it's getting a lot of yeah it's getting a lot of attention now um and you know this type of thing is i eventually the supreme again i don't know if it's going to be this case or not, the supreme court's going to rule on these type of issues right yeah. because yeah. you know the supreme court's going to have to decide you know do parents have a right to at least know right that, that, yeah. this, that this is happening yeah. you know and because we're seeing all over the place i mean even we've talked about them before i mean even california you know um horrendous you know but i mean there's a lot of bills to even push the envelope here that you know, yeah. would create all kinds of secret, um, you know, uh, things, you know, going on with kids in the schools. So um, it's a big issue. It's a big issue. It's a big parental rights issue for sure. Um, and and again, even if you don't have kids in the public school, it matters. I guess that's the point that we're trying to make. You know, it matters. Truth and, and, and righteousness and what's good and right matters, you know, no matter if you have kids who are directly you know, in the public school system and, and you know, being affected by those policies. But it does affect everybody more broadly. If mm-hmm. if the rights of parents are eroded anywhere, then it affects us all for sure. So right. it's a big deal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's anytime government encroaches, it's a big deal.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's interesting. Here we have teachers keeping secrets from parents, right? They're secret keepers, and um, we just got our nation's report card, right, for 2022. Um, the National Assessment of Educational Progress, also referred to as the nation's report card, it measures our students' knowledge um, in various areas, and um, the the report is it paints a grim picture. According to the data, just 13% of 8th graders, we're talking about about middle schoolers, right? The food food children. Uh About 13% of 8th graders met proficiency standards for U.S. history. And 20% met U.S. standards in civics. So instead of teaching our children, it sounds like they're putting a lot of energy into transitioning children because our report card is dismal and alarming. This marks an all time low in U.S. history and U.S. civics. So, Um, yeah, yeah, really, really sad. Our children are being shortchanged. Absolutely. in in light of, you know, for the sake of social engineering. Um, but I'm excited about what's happening in the homeschool community because I know that's not the case. We have a burgeoning speech and debate community in the homeschool, homeschool realm. Um, a homeschool freedom day was this last weekend. We've got capital day coming up where parents and children alike are trained in their civic duty to advocate. So, I mean, things are looking a lot brighter in the homeschool community than we see in the public school. So that is um, just another reason parents to, to be glad had, that you decided to keep your children home and teach them yourself um, and i was thinking also um, about our california i'm sorry chia parenting and homeschool conference coming up july 13th through 15th um, and i know um, john you're going to be speaking there i'm going to be speaking nathan you're going to be speaking but you're going to be speaking specifically on these issues can you yes. tell us a little bit about what you're going to talk about
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I know John and I are going to be doing a little bit more on the legislative update and probably see where we're at with some court cases, too, while we're at it. Um, And then also on that
2: one. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. And then talking about um, advocacy and passing that on to the next generation, because we need to not lose Uh, Are the the next generation in terms of engaging them in advocacy but we need to be uh, building them up and and training them in that so that they can be uh, aware of like John said we need to we need to value truth and righteousness everywhere and we need to pass on the passion for defending that and promoting it Mm -hmm. um, and and speaking it uh, in the next generation so yeah it's important
2: so important. Well, I'll put a link to register for our parenting and homeschool conference um, in the comments so that you can find out more about it. And um, I'm really excited about it. And um, also thinking of these students' test scores, uh, we've talked about this before here, but California homeschool students are scoring up to 30% more than um, the average home average student across the nation. So I, um, we know that because we have a research project going on. We are offering standardized testing for homeschool students through our website. You can register for them there um, and participate in this research program and just um, showing the rest of the world how well our kids are doing. You can stand up and be counted. And I know in California, um, standardized testing is not required required by law. However, there are many good reasons to do this. Um, and this is just one of them. And, and Nathan, it puts tools in your hand, doesn't it? It,
0: it does. It, it's it's something kind of scary to look at this re- nation's report card that you brought up. And I think when when you talk with legislators and their staffers working here in Sacramento about when you engage them on the topic of test scores and how schools are doing they are concerned about that to some degree. Um, they're they're concerned about a lot of other things regarding the schools as well, generally different things than we are. Um, but one thing that they don't uh, familiarize themselves with very much is how the private schools are doing or how homeschoolers specifically are doing academically. And their automatic response to hearing about homeschoolers that are not... Under the authority of the public schools, they automatically think that we must do worse. Than the traditional schools, mm-hmm. and so when we can show them that they that the studies show that homeschool students do better. That sort of makes it so that they can say, oh, I don't have to worry about that part of it, then mm-hmm. um, it, it is something that fascinates some of them, some of them think about it longer than others um but it is something that definitely helps them to not uh think as much about oh we need to regulate these homeschoolers more mm-hmm. um because they are they are they do think about these numbers they think about academics they think about how well kids are doing they think about this national report card believe it or not mm-hmm. and so um it is beneficial for us to be able to show hey homeschoolers in California are doing well in fact they're doing very well so Let's leave the law the way it is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have met a couple of naysayers who say, well, of course, you know, California's public schools are so, doing so poorly. You, it's not hard to do better. Um, but these scores are weighed against national norms. We're not talking about California. So, um, yeah. And even if student homeschool students did just as well as public school students, that's still protective right. I mean, for our freedoms.
0: You're right. Yeah.
2: But then when you look at the demographics and you compare the amount of, you know, the of sexually transmitted diseases, teen pregnancy, drug and alcohol abuse, um, you know, it, it, just apples for apples, it's, you know, the scale is tipped in the homeschool direction.
0: Yes, yeah, that's right.
2: Okay, well, thank you, gentlemen. I so appreciate your time. Um, As usual, I'm always riveted and looking forward to our conversations and hearing what you have to bring to the table. And I know our viewers are very interested in as well and appreciate your time. I know you do research to and you prepare for this. So um, it's it's definitely appreciated. So
1: absolutely. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. And you guys have a great holiday weekend.
1: You too. Thank you, you, everybody.
2: All right.